weekend is coming and it's time for a bath We're going to some bodies and we'll have a good laugh Hello and welcome to episode 43 Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Mac CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is Macclesfield Lawnmower Services. Macclesfield Lawnmower Services offer a range of servicing, repairs and sales to cater for all your garden machinery needs. They can cater for rotary mowers, cylinder mowers, ride-on and lawn tractors. They also cater for all your smaller machinery needs as well as a full sharpening service for all types of blades. They carry an excellent range of new machines to cater for most domestic and professional applications, together with a wide range of X-Display and X-Demo models. For more information, please visit www.macclesfield-lawnmower-services.co.uk or call 01625 422 388. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man is a recent graduate of the King's School Macclesfield and now resides at the University of Exeter, where, amongst other things, he studies sport and exercise science. A relatively recent addition to Macclesfield Cricket Club, he found the transition easy due to his penchant for playing hockey shots and getting it whacked. A self-styled Casanova and owner of the biggest bouffon at Max EC, ladies and gentlemen, Mr Sam Buckingham. Bucky, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm really, really good. I'm uh, glad you didn't give me too much of a spray for uh, saying you've got the biggest booth on at Mac, but let's be honest, you have. Well, I had a little chuckle to myself, but didn't want to say too much. Yeah, uh, you don't want to bite too early, do you? Exactly. It's all coming <laughs> out soon. <laughs> how are things your own, mate? What's uh, what's going on? Yeah, not a lot. It's a fairly quiet second term, obviously. Um, not much to do. Everything's online, you know, Zoom calls for our lectures, seminars, stuff like that. Um, just trying to get through really yeah and I mean obviously I don't want to get too deep and serious here but a lot of talk out there at the moment about you know the hardship of of students at university and and you know I'm being deadly serious obviously uh, it must be pretty tough for you and you know some of your friends and and whatnot How, how's it in your house and and generally at university what, what are you finding it down there well for me like for the course I do and obviously I've been told by my best mate a lot that all I do is learn how to lay cones and choose which team wears the bibs when we're out on the sports field but I have to technically be in the lab quite a lot and do a lot of practical and that's a big side to my course but being at home obviously I can't do that and obviously with all my housemates we've got series to watch on Netflix everyone just wants to keep drinking the whole time and actually sitting down in your room doing the work that you have to do and getting those lectures done is actually a lot more challenging when you know your mates in the room next door and you ever want to play Xbox or whatever you want to do it's it's a lot more challenging than actually sitting down for two hours and watching someone talk to you on a screen. There was me thinking I'd paint, you know, quite a serious opening to the podcast and, and talk about, you know, the hardship of students during the pandemic. And <laughs> you're talking about playing Xbox and drinking. That's all we do at uni, to be honest. Especially <laughs> on my course. <laughs> you're not doing yourself any favours here, Bucky. But what I will say is I know that one person in particular, and none other than... Uh, Pete Langley, Mr. Langley to you, of course. Oh, yeah. We'll be uh, purring about you talking about laying cones out and putting bibs on. I've been told many a time that my, my course is a joke and 
all it is is glorified cone laying, but I don't nibble too hard because I find it quite hard and it's basically just a load of science. Well, I mean, Tom Carter's studying colouring in, so, Correct. you know, we've, exactly. we've all got our crosses to bear, haven't we? <laughs> we do. So, other than that, mate, kind of, how was the sort of the year of pandemic, the, the you know, 2020 last year? Um, how, how was that experience for you, obviously, between Macclesfield and, and university? It was quite challenging. Like, when the first lockdown was announced, we'd been at uni for quite a while by then, in first term last year, we we didn't really want to go home and then being in halls I think it's a lot different than being in a house with all your mates so like as soon as they announced that I was straight home dad came down to pick me up and I was at home for quite a while but this this year around being at home for quite a while I got quite bored and like it was a bit different I could go back to my house and like you can be all in the house and isolate together so it wasn't as bad this this term and this year but last year it was a bit more difficult I was I was in Mac quite a lot and there wasn't as much to do at home just with dad and whatever so there's a few things that we could do, but being back at uni, I think it's a lot better for me. Just like, it's less, it's more fun, actually. Like, you can just piss around with your mates and, and have a good laugh at uni. Absolutely. Well, mate, I mean, like I say, all joking aside, I, I'm glad to hear that, you know, you're doing okay because, you know, I'm sure there's a few of us uh, and, you know, we all send our best wishes to, to all the students out there and, and people that are sort of away from home because it must be pretty tough. But it's nice to hear that you are managing to soldier through with a combination of uh, alcohol and Xbox. And work, and work. And work. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Apologies. So what's uh, what's getting a run on the Xbox at the moment? A lot of FIFA, really. Have a lot of tournaments with my mates. I would invite you to uh, get yourself a game against James Cross, um, because not, not to big the big man up, but... Uh, I believe, and uh, I, I might be uh, talking out of turn here, but I believe he is actually rank one in the Manchester City E-League or something like that. Um, and by all accounts, he's quite good. I mean, it'd be a lot better than me. I'm, I'm fairly budget. Um, <laughs> especially playing with Arsenal and the team that we've got at the moment. It's it's nothing special. I mean, I've already done what I try to do at all costs, or try not to do at all costs, and start talking about football. So we're going to get on to cricket, Bucky, immediately. <laughs> yeah. What would you say your earliest cricketing memories are, mate? I remember I'd, I'd never really played the sport at all. We played it a bit, and Dad took me down to Presbury as quite a young young lad, and it was at Derby Fields. And I, I remember I asked the most stupid question, and it was softball cricket. And obviously I've been playing hockey a little bit by this point. And I got in the car and I, I remember saying, I was like, do you not need shin pads or anything like that? <laughs> and it was honestly, thinking back now, it was a endless thing to say. But yeah, Presbury was where I started sort of playing. I started quite late playing cricket. I reckon 12, 13, 14, I started my, my cricket career at Presbury and then saw the light and moved to Mac. So yeah, you mentioned obviously playing at, at Presbury there and, and then obviously moving on to Mac, which we'll get to a little bit later. But, um, you know, as I say, you are a recent graduate of, of the King's School. Uh, what, what sort of age did you start playing cricket at King's? Uh, I think I picked it up straight away, actually, in senior school, because you have the hockey in your winter term. I remember it being on the, the old AstroTurf they had at King's, on that sandy little pitch, and it was, it was horrid. And you'd look forward to the cricket season just to get off that. And then you go into the old cricket nets at King's, it'd be even worse, just bouncy concrete. And that's where I sort of started and then eventually the facilities were changed and we uh, we got some new nets point at Kings. But yeah, from year seven, I think I just started it and went all the way up to year 13 with it and loved every moment because 
we'd miss some days of school. <laughs> You're painting a really great uh, image of yourself and, and your relationship with education here, Bucky. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have to say. Now, next question. Um, you know, obviously, we've we've talked a bit about Kings recently. Um, you know, with some people that are a bit older than you, and 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 again, some more recent uh, graduates, the likes of Carter. But I thought it'd be interesting just to hear about some of your uh, sort of former teammates from Kings or peers, whatever you want to call them. Um, that you know, some of the people that you have played with, both at, at Macclesfield and perhaps some of the other clubs. We sort of played together as a big group, like me, Angus, Almo, and Carter. Sort of all broke into the first team in like the end of year ten, start of year eleven, and. It was always good, like joining Mac because I've played with them for years at school, so I sort of had that group with me already. So then transition into the Mac sort of cricket club as well. But yeah, I've played year twelve, year thirteen, like all season with those lads, and it's always been a good laugh. Like with the younger younger people coming through, always having like your mates there that have got a bit of experience in the first team always helps. And I've always been quite close with Angus, batting it like near the top of the order. So I think it was quite a good laugh and a good experience playing with those three, especially. We've talked about uh, one of your sort of uh, former teachers, coaches, perhaps. I don't know if he's ever coached you, but Pete Langley. But I thought it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on on the general sort of coaching setup at Kings and, and kind of your experiences with the likes of uh, perhaps Pete and obviously Steve Moores, AJ Harris. Yeah, we were so lucky at Kings, like. We had such an unreal setup for facilities and opportunities to play cricket. Like with the staff, yeah, I'm not sure how much Langer's taught me about cricket, but he was always around. But like Chris Thompson, uh, Steve Moores, especially as well, like their knowledge and expertise on the game. Like if you ever wanted a hit at lunch, like Tomo would always be down with the flicker, like just chucking balls at you. Moores would always get the bowl machine out at lunch if you needed it. Like you could always, always get a hit in. Uh, and AJ as well, when he came in, I think I was in year 12, so I had two years with him. And he changed the whole sort of uh, spirit of the team. Like we had meetings at lunchtime, which we'd never really had before. And we sort of picked up this run of form and the whole sort of dynamic started to change. And he just brought like a professionalism that I wouldn't say we didn't have, but it just improved and our cricket got better because of him. And level four coach, I think he is, he's, he brought some serious knowledge to to all of us and especially me on like my back lift and he like he did a lot of one-to-one stuff with me so we're really lucky as a group of lads to to get that sort of staff and the coaching expertise that they offer now we have heard a little bit about steve moores and his uh penchant for uh fielding practice and and i know that going back a few years he, he used to have all the lads out at lunch times doing fielding practice you know lots of people speak very uh, lovingly about those sessions um, d- is he still doing that sort of stuff with you guys now he was to be fair he did love a fielding drill but i think all the lads got behind it in the end like it was always a good laugh and you turn it into a bit of a competition so sometimes we'd be like it's a friday lunchtime we've got fielding practice or it's friday lunchtime we can sit in the canteen and just you know just mess around with the boys but in the end we all sort of started to enjoy fielding because like stood in the field on a saturday 40 overs and it's not going your way fielding's the worst part of cricket but like Morsey always sort of got it in a different mindset for us and like he always just said like that extra one percent in the field backing up your bowler can just change the game and he sort of did bring a different feel to me anyway about about fielding and he did love he did love a fielding drill <laughs> he does still to this day love a fielding drill i'm sure we'll look forward to having steve on the podcast in due course i think we've by this stage, we've had quite a few people, um, both uh, you know, young and old, on who've uh, been through the King setup and played with Steve, and of course some of his former teammates, 
you know, the likes of Rick Shenton and and Chuck and and things like that. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting Steve on for a for a much anticipated Steve Moore's podcast, and and hopefully we won't spend the entire thing talking about his fielding drills. Now uh, moving on to to sort of Macclesfield. Obviously, we've been through your kind of your Kings uh, Kings experience, and there's a few games that we're going to come back to, and a, and a few funny stories that I know you're keen to to put out there from Kings. But um, keep it relatively serious for now. Obviously, you mentioned you played at Presbury, and was that a sort of an initial thing? Obviously, you mentioned you know your dad taking down there but at what stage did you make the move over to Macclesfield? Well I joined Presbury because all my mates from that I played football with played at Presbury Cricket Club and they always had a really good junior setup at my age and we had some really good players and then I remember being I think it was year 11 um, Chris Thompson said to me and Steve Moores they just said like the adult uh, the adult side at Mac is a lot stronger and I knew it was and I just didn't really want to move and then I sort of just spoke to them a bit more and I knew Angus was there. I knew Carter was a few of the others, the older people. Um, and I was like, yeah, I might as well go down and have that first net. And I remember meeting you actually in the nets on our first session. Um, just, I'd, I've never really bowled. I used to be a bowler, but I remember bowling and you just said to me, just like the first time you met me, stop chucking it. And I was like, this is sort of the, the atmosphere, a bit of crack, good banter. And I sort of just joined from there on and I was there every week since. <laughs> I hope that I said that in jest rather than actually walked up to you and gave you a spray. <laughs> I think it was in jest, but yeah, I would hope so. I mean, what do I know about bowling? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And um, you know, you mentioned there kind of your first impressions of the club and and training. You know, you've obviously loved it, and it's fair to say you fitted in very quickly and, and become. Uh, yeah, pretty popular member of the club. You know, what what were your initial sort of uh, expectations, should we say, of moving over to Mac, or or was it more a case of of a slightly younger younger lad in year eleven and, and just kind of wanting to progress? Yeah, I think it was more just wanting to progress with my cricket because I was playing a few games for Presbury first team. I, it just wasn't wasn't the standard that I wanted to be playing cricket at. So just moving over to Mac just gave me a better experience. Like the nets are a lot better. Like they don't have nets at Presbury. Like you just have to sort of drop like where you used to be and just move on. And I think it was the best thing for my cricket to get to the marking. Knowing they had three or four teams, a really good setup as well with training. It's always a, a like not going back on it. I, I don't regret it at all. So. And are there any sort of uh, names from your time at Presbury that we might recognise now? Um, lads that you've played with at school or, or indeed who are playing for other clubs? Uh, I just remember two of my good mates I played football with, Cameron Kirkland and Reese Mallard. Reese Mallard plays for the Edge now, and I think Cam's still at Presbury, but we all parted ways. Now, there is uh, a few games that I want to talk about with you, Bucky, just from your King's time, before we uh, come on to some stats and talk a little bit about Mac and a few games and things like that. But uh, yeah, I thought it'd be good to, to mention a, a few games from King's that I know you, you're quite, uh, quite keen to talk about, and one that's been discussed already by a certain... Uh, Tom Carter. But the first game I thought we'd mention was uh, was the a recent old boys game that you played in and I, I know that you've got some uh, some pretty good stories from that. Yeah, it was my final year. We played an old boys team and like I said before, me, Angus and Carter and Almo as well, we sort of broke into the first team mainly in year 11 I think it was. So obviously we got to know quite a few of the older lads and with my sister as well being two years above me at school, I sort of knew all her mates as well from the cricket team and I went out to bat and obviously they were just giving it the big in, like the most chat you can imagine. And Paul Roberts, one of my good friends at the time, who I played, played in the hockey team with at school as well, comes on to bowl and he was bowling these moon balls that were just coming down with snow on. 
Like, obviously, <laughs> you know me when I'm batting. If it goes above my eyes, I'm just going to try and hit it as far as I can. And I remember him bowling at me, and I got dropped about three times off him. <laughs> and one of my mates trying the stumps, Stu Gurney, who I grew up with when I was younger, he's not a keeper, but he just doesn't like fielding. So he was just stood there. Because obviously, Finley McCants was playing and would be in the gloves. And Stu Gurney was there, and he was just laughing at me, and I was just laughing at the crease. And then <laughs> another ball would come down. And honestly, it was like pub cricket. Like, you just weren't taking it seriously. And I managed to scramble a 50, and I got dropped again, and it was by Paul Roberts. And I was just laughing my head off the whole time. And I don't know how I scratched this 50 out. And then I think Moore told me to retire. So, <laughs> so I just walked off to booze. They were heckling me. It was one of the most ugly 50s I've scored. I mean, I got there in the end, and yeah, that was that was one of my funniest innings at Kings, and it was always good laugh and good spirit at the end of the game. Very, very good. And were there any other sort of familiar names that were playing in the in the old boys team? Obviously, Finn. Uh, I think Keezy was playing. Um, obviously, in our team, we had Elmo Carter and Angus. There's probably a few more, but I can't quite think now. Now, the other story that I, I wanted to mention is well, I mean, it's not just a game; it's it's a number of games. You, you sort of. Uh, were fortunate enough to have a trip to Dubai uh, with the school, and um, I know there are there are two incidents in particular that I want to talk to you about. We're going to save the <laughs> the contentious LBW decision that you uh, that you suffered, but um, I want to talk about another LBW. Tom Carter obviously was on the podcast not so long ago, and uh, he he regaled us with a story about for for some ungodly reason he was he was keeping and possibly even worse the fact that you were bowling and in his words he said that you bowled a wicket maiden which contained nothing but full tosses and double bouncing yorkers and apparently this wicket that you got was (laughs) before they changed the law it was a double bouncer that hit this bloke on the end of the toe in front of all three now tom claims it was actually going under and he was disgusted to have to appeal for this is he telling the story right was it an over of absolute you know, dross, or were you turning it square? Tell us. <laughs> oh, what a story. <laughs> it was an absolute peach, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> was it a double-bouncing Yorker that hit him on the end of the toe? Yes. <laughs> in my in my eyes, because I'd never really bowled off-spin before, and we'd got to the bite, and obviously like I wasn't batting the whole time, and it was way too hot to be trundling in and bowling meds. <laughs> so <I thought laughs> Tomo was taking me to this net, and he, he was asking me to bowl off-spin. And he was giving me some lessons and it was coming all right in the nets. And I was quite good friends with the captain at the time, Owen, and still am. And he was like, right, Bucky, you can have one over. So obviously I kept the sunglasses on like Don Bass. I was like, this is going to come out so well. <laughs> the first ball was this loopy full toss. <laughs> and I, I don't know how the guy didn't put it into the desert. <laughs> <laughs> I can't quite remember the rest of the over, but... Well, by all accounts, it was a collection of full tossers and double-bouncing Yorkers. That wicket ball, honestly, it pitched about a foot outside off. It hit a foot mark and turned sideways. <laughs> <laughs> when you say it pitched uh, outside off, was that the first or the second bounce? <laughs> it was off the edge of the wicket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And uh, in, in, to round the story out, he claims that you wouldn't stop going on about this wicket maiden. Well, I mean, I bowled one over in Dubai and got one wicket. I had the best stats of the tour. <laughs> that was all I was on about. I mean, was this the point that you worked out that you really wanted to bowl angry offspin with the grunt? Um, yeah, with the grunt. So yeah. for those that obviously haven't seen or heard Sam bowling, he sort of trundles in 
um, with this sort of face of a, a, a quick who's trying to bowl a bouncer, releases a ball with what some might call a questionable action, dare I say, a little bit of a chuck, and there's this almighty great grunt as his front leg slams into the crease, and then he bowls the ball at around, well, I don't know, what would you say, 40, 45 kph? Yes, that just darts. Yeah, um, it, it's it's a thing to behold, but I, I, you're definitely the most angry off-spinner I've ever seen. It's in the pipeline. It's coming along. <laughs> very, very good. Now, the other story from the Dubai trip, of course, uh, you're very upset about this LBW decision that you received. Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, well, we were quite lucky. We got to play in the um, Dabu Dabi International Stadium. Um, which wasn't originally on the list of grounds for playing Master in Dubai. And Moores and Tomo managed to swindle a game in the in the stadium that the T10 has been happening in at the moment. And I remember the night before, like there was an international game with Sri Lanka and someone else. on the same pitch as them, and it was an absolute road. And we went out to bat, and I was in at four, and we lost an early wicket, so I quickly stuck my gear on, got lost in the changing room because it was a bit of a maze, and ran out to bat. And I was I wasn't really that ready, but... I knew I was never going to bat in a stadium like this ever again. So at the start of my innings, I actually started taking it seriously for once and I started looking at a few balls. And I realised there wasn't much turn and it was quite a nice wicket. It was coming straight onto the bat. And I, I got to 40 and I was playing really well. And we were having drinks and Tomo said to me, just keep pushing along and you're doing well and we'll put a big score on here. And, and it was quite a good Dubai team we were playing. I think it was the academy at the time. And they had their umpire. And this, this off-spinner came onto bowl. And I think I was on about 46 and I've been doing it all innings. I'd gone back to him, went to playing through the leg side. It literally hit me just underneath my box on the top of my thigh pad. And it was, it was fairly straight ball. And I was just trying to work it into the, the big outfield for a two or whatever. Or trying to, and he just put his finger up straight away, like quicker than Paolo. And <laughs> I was just like, lad, it's, it's, this is so not out. Like, do you know normally like when you've come off and you've been giving out LBW and you say it's not out to all your teammates and the parents and that you've been stitched up, but you know full well it's crashing into middle stumps and you've missed a straight one. <laughs> this was that this was actually the opposite here. Like I was fuming. I was like, I just was so close to hitting that 50 in a stadium. I'd always remember playing there, getting a milestone, and obviously trying to get the team like a good score. And it gave me out and in my head, I was saying so many things I wanted to shout out loud. Like, it just wasn't out. And I just walked off. And they didn't see me for the rest of the game. Me and my mate James went and sat in the top stand and just watched it from up there. And we saw Langley up there as well. What was uh, what was Langers doing up there? He was on camera duty because, you know, his cricket knowledge, he's not really allowed near, near the dugout because he doesn't really give much. He just stands at the top filming the games for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you say that... Uh... Pete Langley might be able to dig up this uh, controversial LBW decision for us on film. I reckon so, because I've got some few photos that he took from um, from me batting in the stadium. So if he's got it on record, I'd love to see it again. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few of us that'd like to see it, mate. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. Since the debut episode back in March, we have amassed over 7,000 unique downloads and been recognised by the ECB with a national award for proactive leadership in the community as featured recently on Sky Sports. The podcast continues to develop and grow and I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you, the listeners, for continuing to support and engage with the podcast. The podcast is self-funded and we could not continue to create content without the support of our Patreons. Thanks to our most recent Patreon, John Birchall. 
For anyone interested in supporting the podcast, please visit www.patreon, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash get it whacked. Or you can click on the link in the description of this podcast. Well, it's it's great to kind of get a flavour of a few things there that have been talked about. But, um, you know, as always is the case of the podcast, Bucky, we, we've got to do a bit of stat badgering here. Are you uh, are you much of a stat badger? Not until you messaged me earlier this week and told me to have a look at them. I'd never seen them before. <laughs> and I, I think that's for good reason. <laughs> well, I, it should be it should be mentioned that obviously we, we don't have that much stats and I certainly don't have access to any of your King stuff. But um, I can run through your, your Macclesfield stats for, for what they are. In total, you've played 49 games to date with 46 innings, eight not outs, scoring 947 runs with a highest score of 84, averaging a reasonably respective 25. I would say, uh, 250s. And what's most disappointing for me is, given your penchant for uh, swinging the willow, you've only had four ducks. Yeah, I don't get out cheaply. (laughs) 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 I thought I'd have a lot more, to be fair. When you mentioned to look at play cricket at the start of the week, I, I, I saw four ducks and I was like, that makes me feel a lot better. I was expecting about 10. Well, I mean, I I would say anybody would for, be forgiven for thinking you might have had a few more. Did, do you remember having many at Kings? I remember a phase where I got out really low scores in about four or five weeks, all under five. And I was just having an absolute shocker and just snicking off every single week. But I don't remember too many ducks, to be fair. I've only had one first ball duck ever. Actually, I've had two, I've had two. And one was Rob Coombs that gave me out. And we won't talk about that either. No, um, no, we don't. We don't need to bring that up. But yeah, uh, I've not had too many touchwood no more. And what about uh, just to, to nip back to your king stats for a second? Um, you you not scored a hundred at kings, have you? You scored many fifties. Uh, I scored a few fifties at kings. The old boys won, like we said before, being one mm-hmm. of the funniest. Um, I remember one that I can remember in my head actually. I can't remember who we were playing. Might have been Stockport Grammar on the front field, and I was on forty five, and it was the last ball of the innings. And I know I needed to slap it for six. And the guy bowled a short ball outside the off stump. And I sort of hoiked it over cover. And I don't know, I'm not sure how it happened, but last ball innings managed to bring up my 50. That's one I can remember. But yeah, I never reached the, the 100 milestone, which was quite annoying because I said to my dad every week, I'm getting on the board, I'm getting on the board today. And he'd go, no, you won't. <laughs> you, can't, you can't bat long enough. And he was always right. Well, you'll just have to get your... Uh... Get yourself a one in that 100 column for Macclesfield. Maybe this season, who knows? Yeah, fingers crossed. Now, that was your batting stats. I'm loath to do this, Bucky, but unfortunately you have got some bowling statistics, which I'm going to bring up. And what I will say is that um, we've we've got uh, 51 overs in total, four maidens, nine wickets, with a best of two for 11. But the thing that I'm pleased about the most is that you haven't actually bowled a ball for Macclesfield since 2017. And that, as far as I'm concerned, is a massive triumph. Yep, I can totally agree with you there. <laughs> you so, won't believe this, actually. You actually won't believe this. I used to be, like, not blowing my own trumpet, I used to open the bowling for Presby first team and second team whenever I was a bit younger. And I used to love bowling. And with with Kings going through year seven, eight, nine, in the younger age groups, I was always giving the new ball. And I used, I used to be able to swing it quite a bit. And I don't know what happened to me. I think I just got lazy and I hated running into the bowl. But I've had six for something, five for something, and Moore's presenting them in assembly to me, and I don't know where it all went wrong. I don't know. Maybe it's just this transition to angry off-spinner. I think it was. I think Chris Thompson's to blame, making me ball off-spinner, and then I just gave up. Carter took over. Well, there's a couple of games now that I want to talk about for Macclesfield um, from sort of recent times. Uh, the first is a game from the 27th of May 2018. 
Um, and this was actually in the Cheshire Cup, the second round, um, and was your Macclesfield first team debut. Macclesfield won the toss and elected to bat and posted 220 for seven. The opposition that day were Alton Park. You were scheduled to bat at number four that day. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to say too much. I'll, I'll let you take it, take it away and tell us about the game. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, it was a Sunday, our first game for the first team. I've, I've known Khalid Salas and Langers for a while and I'd, I'd said to a few of my mates come down and it's my first game and I didn't really know many people in the club and I went out to bat at four and I walked out and I met Pete Barron at the crease and he sort of just asked me my name because I didn't really know who he was <laughs> and he was asking if I was quick between the wickets and that like there's no quick singles and twos with me and I was like oh, yeah that's fine okay and for myself I've got quite a big habit of getting out in the 40s for Matt I think it's happened like seven or eight times never been able to get to that 50 and I don't know why but it's yeah, it was my debut in the cup, and I just remember just timing the ball so well for some reason, and I was like, oh, this is one of those days. And and at the end of each over, he kept saying to me, Pete, he was like, yeah, just keep going, keep going, keep watching the ball, and he knew quite a few of the bowlers, and he was saying what they do to me. And I remember when I was on forty eight, and it was a spinner that came on to bowl, and I think I got bowled around my legs playing some stupid shot trying to get trying to get to that 50 and he I think that day he got Pete got 97 or 98 or something not out yeah he was 97 not out of 98 balls and he made it look so easy and and I was at the time and I was sort of like why have I not done that myself like I got out and I was so annoyed and it was literally my first team debut and I would have loved to just kept going and there was just no one at 45 no one behind on the leg side and I just stepped across and I tried to play a sweet shot down there and bring up my 50 and I just got bold and I was fuming and obviously walking off. I knew, I knew Cal was sat on the wall. I knew Langers was sat on the wall and they just ripped into me. Like they were just saying I'd given it all away and I was just so angry with them. And I, I just went and sat in the change room and I, I went out to like obviously sit with the, the lads after I'd got all my stuff off and Baza was just there knocking it around for fun. And I remember just thinking I've just given it away again. But that was, that was my debut and yeah. Thinking about it now, I just get annoyed that I didn't convert again. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we said, Bazo got himself 97 off 98. Yourself, uh, you were bowled by Danny Leach, who, it's fair to say, is not the worst bowler in the world. Um, you got 48 off 52 balls, six fours, striking at 92, which is a Buckingham-esque, I think I would say. Unfortunately, in the end, Alton Park did run out winners. 221 for four off 38 overs. The other game that I want to talk about is your your highest score for Macclesfield. Um, You talk about not converting, getting out in the 40s a lot. I'm I'm afraid to say possibly we might be talking about this as a game that you didn't convert from 50 to 100. This was from the 19th of August 2018 and I think you were making a pretty rare appearance for the fourth team possibly not being able to play on the Saturday or something like that. But uh, Macclesfield 4 team scored 238 for 7 off 37.5 overs. Um, obviously won the toss and elected to bat. In reply, Northwich were all out for 84. You batted number 3 that day. Uh, James Coombs and Tom Potts opened the batting and put on a decent stand. Coombsy 30, Pottsy 47. Yourself, as I say, batted number 3, 84, bold again. What can you tell us about this one? So, I remember Adam Massey at the start of the week, because he knew I couldn't play on the Saturday because I had a school fixture, saying, do you want to play on the Sunday? It's like, it's your sort of age and a bit younger. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come along and I'll help you out. And I'll play for the fourth team. And it's my one and only game for the fourth team. And I went out to bat on Parkside and 
nearly first ball, I literally snicked it through the slips and it wasn't caught. And I went, oh God, oh no. And I was struggling at the start and I managed to just find some format out of nowhere. And I got to 84 and I was I was hitting it quite well. Um, and so I remember someone shouting the score onto me, like what I was on. And I don't normally mind that. And I like seeing my score on the scoreboard, like on the on the main pitch at Mark. And someone shouted it on and I knew in my head I was only three shots away from a ton here. And I, I remember a few balls later, I was just bowl trying to hoik one into the Regency Centre next door. It was awful. Were you running out of overs of balls or, or did, you, did you just fancy getting on with it? There wasn't many overs left anyway. And I knew Jack Massey was starting to come who can give it a whack as well. But I was hitting it so well. I wasn't an- annoyed, but like, because I'd been hitting it so well and I missed it and I got bowled. And I was just like, why have I done that again? Like, <laughs> I feel like there might be a recurring theme here, Bucky. Yeah, because someone did shout it on, 84, 84, Bucky. All right, three shots for under it. There we go, bowled. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jack Massey went on and slapped a 40 in about 10 balls. But yeah, that was that was my highest score to date for Mark. I mean, it's fair to say at times cricket can be a pretty rubbish sport, can't it? Correct. Now, talking about other sports, obviously, you've mentioned it a little bit. Uh, but for those that don't know, uh, as much as Ho- Bucky may talk about his cricket in a, a pretty loose way at times, um, he has actually played a, a pretty good standard of hockey and is, is a, a relatively serious hockey player. Um, I believe you've re- represented the north of England under 16 and under 17, and you've also represented England schools uh, against Ireland and Scotland. Um, so I think it would be fair to say, you know, you're a reasonably serious hockey player. Yeah, I'd, I'd say hockey is my main sport and like my dad's played to a high level and it's sort of come through the family. Like my mum played, my sister plays and then obviously I started playing as well. And as much as I prefer cricket, to be fair, because it's a summer sport and you can stand in the field and dish it out, I, I'd have to say I'm better at hockey. And I was quite fortunate um, to be all right here and I've picked up a few a few caps for North England and it was a, a real, like, really good memory for me, like, making the uh, one of the England teams to play at the school games and re- like play against Scotland and, and Ireland. I've got some of my closest mates from playing in that in that team. And we were meant to go on a golf holiday actually this summer, but COVID reasons we had to call it off. And that was a really good experience that, that I won't rem- won't forget, sorry. Now, I don't want to expose myself. As we know, I, n- I know very little about cricket, but I certainly know even less about hockey. But uh, what, what, what position do you play? Uh, I started out my career as a forward and I now have sort of rolled back into midfield I think that's because I'm getting slower and my belly's getting a bit bigger <laughs> I'm not as quick as I used to be <laughs> but yeah I'm playing midfield at the moment does that mean you're on uh, defence for the, the short corners and the set pieces no 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 no. I can't be on that that's too scary is that because you don't want to get hit in the booth on well <laughs> there's that and also playing at Exeter which is probably if not the best university of hockey in the country which is probably the main reason I came to to this uni. The speed you see, some of the balls coming at, at like the defenders in in the Premier League and National League is ridiculous. To stand on the line at a short corner with a ball coming at you, I reckon eighty miles an hour, if not more, you've just got to have some sort of screw loose. Like it's not for me that. Uh, I mean, it's not something I'd be keen to do. But um, I mean, I don't really like batting, let alone standing in front of a hockey ball. So. Um, and, and just talking a little bit more about your hockey, have, have you got any sort of aspirations to progress further with your hockey? Obviously, you mentioned being at, um, at Exeter and it being a very, very strong university for hockey. I'm sure Carter would be uh, 
chuntering to himself about how good it is at Birmingham right now. But, you know, what what are your hockey aspirations? So, yeah, like I said, I sort of chose the the university on its hockey um, because the, the first team are currently playing in the Premier League, which is like the best league you can play in for, um, for a club. Um, at the moment, I'm in the second team. So my aspiration is to get my Premier League debut and a few caps for the ones. I've trained with them a little bit, but yeah, my, my goal is to make it into the first team and get some caps against the teams like Wimbledon and Surbiton and stuff like that, who have all the GB and Olympic players and full England internationals like playing against students every week. And I'd love to get that opportunity. Fantastic, mate. Well, I'm sure we, we wish you all the best, but uh, just make sure you keep coming and playing cricket. Eh? Yeah, correct. Cricket <laughs> is the way forward for me. I reckon that offspin's coming out soon. <laughs> Very good, mate. Well, as I mentioned before, you know, we've, we've gone through the, the relatively serious bits of the of the cricket and your history. And it's great to kind of, you know, hear about your experiences through Kings and Presbury and onto Macclesfield. But obviously, along the way, we do pick up some funny experiences, some stories, and we've got a few bits to talk about here. I know there's a couple of games you want to tell us about from uh, from Kings, first of all. Um, not so much for the cricket, I think more just for the crack, but um, Bolton away, I think this was the day after your last exam. Yeah, this was one of the funniest and also worst games I've experienced at Kings. It was, yeah, it was the day, of our, the day after our last exam on the Friday. Um, and we'd all finished our exam and obviously we went straight to the pub and then went home and got changed. Went out into into a Wilmslow, went to Revolutions, whatever. And everyone was in there because literally everyone finished their exams on the last day and it was so busy. And I remember seeing Alex Davis, who, if the people don't know, opens the batting for Lancashire. He's just been playing in the T10s in Abu Dhabi. And I remember speaking to him for ages and I got speaking to his mate who turned out to be Liam Livingston's brother, Callum Livingston. And we ended up just drinking shots at the bar of Alex Davis, like Jaeger bombs, whatever. And we went back to Callum Livingston's flat in Didsbury with one of my mates who happened to be playing in the cricket game on the Saturday, the day after. And a few of our friends from Cheadle, a few of the girls that Sam knew. Um, and we went back to Didsbury, whatever. We had a few more drinks. And I remember Alex Davis and this other guy that was there saying, oh, yeah, you don't want to play tomorrow. But like today, you know, it was actually in the morning and he was going, yeah. Cricket, cricket's bad. You're like, you don't want to be in this. Like, there's no point going. <laughs> and we're like, well, we're going to have to. Like, there's 11 of us going to Bolton. We can't just like leave the team now. And we got a taxi back from Didsbury to my house in Mac at about probably, I reckon, five in the morning. Got in and we woke up and Cheatham was in bed next to me. And we looked at the time and then meet for the school bus away to Bolton was in about 10 minutes. And we looked outside and, you know, it's a shock of a day. I've had Moors on the phone to me already and a couple of the lads going, where are you? And I've had to tell them the story that we've had about an hour's sleep, we just got in. And they go, right, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to make it for the bus? And I'm going, oh, God, I've got to shower. We've got to get changed. We've got to find cricket, cricket clothes. And I was like, no. So I get on the phone to Dad and he's like, what do you need? It's some ungodly hour on a Saturday morning. Have you not got cricket today? And I go, um, do you mind driving us to Bolton? <laughs> And he goes, um, no, I don't really want to do that. And he ended up whizzing us to Bolton. I had a Tropicana in the front, just to try and get some you know, vitamins into me, wake me up a bit. We were both asleep in the car on the way there. And we'd missed the first over as soon as we got to Bolton. And Cheatham was the opening bowler, so he was handed the new ball. And it was actually like the second or third over of the game. And I stood at first slip with Joey Chong. 
and Cheating was bowling some absolute toilet. Like he still he still couldn't see. And I remember just telling Joe the wicketkeeper about the night before and just having no interest in the game in hand and saying like what a good night we'd had and who we'd met because Joe's a massive cricket fan as well. And just <laughs> just talking to him and just not focusing on the game and obviously it being the shock of the day it was. The game got called off halfway through. It was an absolute bog. I was piss wet through. Dad had driven us all the way to Bolton to see half a game. Me not even get to bat, and he was not in the best moods. And to be honest, I remember AJ and Moore just looking at me and Sam after the game. All we had to do was apologise. He was he wasn't in the best moods, but then he saw the light and realised it was our last exam. We had to go out and celebrate, and we met two well one professional cricketer, and he. I blame him, to be honest. Alex Davis, I blame him. Well, continuing the theme, I think, somewhat, and, and perhaps uh, Mr Moores might have been a bit less understanding here, I think you, you, the day after your Leavers ball, uh, you had another away game, didn't you, in Chester? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Kings Chester away. It was actually after the Leavers ball, so this was probably a few more weeks after our last exam had finished. And I remember getting in, and, and I woke up, and I actually made it on time for the bus. like. I actually made it this time, um, and I was I couldn't drive. Like I was still over the limit, and Mum drove me into school, and she drives a mini. So as you can imagine, I remember going over the speed bumps and like just little bits of gravel on the road, and my stomach was just turning, and like you feel absolutely everything when you're in the mini. So I remember driving down Core Street, and obviously the speed bumps, and my stomach was going, oh god, full of liquid, and. She le- she loaded me onto the bus with a Lucas Aid Sport and a big bag of cool original Doritos to try and give me some salts and replace what I just left on my body the night before. And we're half we're halfway there, all the way to King's Chester, which isn't a pleasant journey. And I remember going there about ten times for hockey, cricket, whatever. And it's always freezing cold. And I just wasn't Benny. Before we get there, I remember saying to to Joey, who was sat next to me, oh, "I'm going to be sick here, Joey. I'm I'm not feeling good here." And I was like, AJ, stop the bus, stop the bus. And he he pulls over it on the side of this A road and I run down this track. Carter's got it on record. I'm, he's an absolute swine. Don't know how he's done this. And I'm there on the side of this road, all the lads on there, two teachers in the front, the fingers down my throat being sick on the side of the road, about 15 minutes before we get to Chester. And I'm literally feeling the worst. And we get to Chester, I've been sick. It's all out my system. And I'm meant to be opening the batting, no chance. <laughs> It didn't go up for the warm-up. Couldn't run around. Didn't go up for the warm-up. And we got there. And then Almo had been sick again. Like he'd been sick in the cubicle in the changing room as soon as we got there. So the game starts. Dave will... Uh, I think Angus and someone else went out to bat. Someone took my spot. Uh, my friend Sam Crosby was on the bench next to me asleep. And in the changing rooms at King's Chester, they've got like these cold like stone tiles. And I was just lying on the cold tiles with my face on the floor, asleep, just trying to chill out. Like it was just sorting my head. I was just asleep in the changing, not giving like any notice to the cricket. Eventually I come round and I've woken up from the changing room floor. And I go outside and it's baking sun for once. Like at Chester, like I said, it's always cold. And it's baking sun. And I was watching Angus bat and he was smacking it all over the place. And Carter had just gone in as well. Um and he was smacking it all around, around the park. And I remember knowing that it was my last game as well. So I obviously never made the honours board, like I said. But I remember watching him. And they were bowling some serious tries. 
And Carter and Angus were slapping it around with ease. And I knew to myself that I'd missed my last chance to finally get some runs for the school. And I just, yeah, at the same time, I regret it. But what a night we had for, for Leavers Ball with a few of my mates from school. But it, that was a really funny game. We fielded second. And they were trying to get me, to, as you can imagine, they were trying to get me to bowl in my last game. And after the antics in Dubai, I decided myself, no, nah, it's not happening. I, I can't bowl today. And I literally went all the way to King's Chester to be sick on the way there, to sleep in the change room and then to stand in the sun for 35 overs and touch the ball about three times. And that was my last game and thing I did for King's. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good, mate. Well, uh, it's, it's nice to hear that you've at least got a recurring theme with your King's away games. There's only two times it's happened to be fair. And I'm not well up from the away game, but <laughs> very those good. were fortunate timings. Well, bringing it back to, to Macclesfield here, there's a, there's a couple of other things that I, I want to press you on. Um, in the Stephen Whittingham podcast of, uh, not so long ago, he, uh, he, he sort of talked us through some of his, uh, his one-liners and, uh, his, his love of, I wouldn't say sledging, but more, you know, running commentary from behind the, from, from behind the wickets. Um, and he did mention that he loved playing with you. Um, in that season that he played in the twos and you were obviously playing quite a bit because uh, he got to bring out all his one-liners and you'd never heard any of these before and and uh, he loved seeing your reaction. Um, what can you tell us about Witters and his, his sledging? He has some of the most golden chat in the cricket field I have ever heard. I could not focus one bit. Like I, I'd say myself, like I stand in the slips now and I'm with him and I give it out, but like he's just got these witty comments no pun intended there, but honestly, it's just, it's just, I don't know where they come from. I've, I've never experienced it and fair play to them. They are funny. Like you hear the classics, like, oh, let's send the bells to Wells. And you know, everyone's got that in their locker, but what he has is something special and it is so funny and it gets you through the overs and he, <laughs> he's got something else each time. And there's a game actually that I'll talk about. And it was when we were all playing, you were playing, Chris Flint was playing. It was Tim away, I think. Wittes was playing, I was playing. And it was us four, literally, in the gullies and slips. I don't know if you remember the guy that came out with the yellow helmet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was Tim Pleaway. Yeah, I'm going ex- to expose myself as being a real badger here, but the, the batsman is a, a lovely lad, actually, for Tim Pleaway called Pankaj Mishra. Yeah, he came out with the yellow helmet on and a massive Tesco sign, like sponsor, on the middle of his shirt. And his sleeves weren't, you know, like you can have long sleeve and you can have short sleeve. But you know, the big cricket whites that are like a polo shirt and they go three quarters down your arm. You had one of them on and <laughs> I knew it was coming. And I, I didn't have much to say. I think I was like, every little helps here, but it's just something, something small. But you and Witters just grilled him and you got him going and he just ended up giving his wicket away. And that was some of the best chat I've heard in that game for a long time. It wasn't good chat, but it was funny. I mean, I quite enjoyed, not to uh, talk my own chat up here, but I did quite enjoy <laughs> Bob the Builder, can he fix it? Here we then go. I, he had a massive swipe and, and missed it. <laughs> and I think I just said, no, he can't. Yeah. And I, re- I remember you having to walk to third man because you were so <laughs> upset at the standard of chat. It was so good. What a day out. I think, do you remember, it was one of the biggest stitch-ups I've ever played in as well. Yeah, it was. They um they they pulled a ferocious stitch out. It has to be said. They they were stitching it for about the tenth over, weren't they? Yeah, it wasn't great. And that's where the chat just got even better though, because we had nothing else to do. 
Yeah, that is, that is very true. And um, lastly, mate, before we get towards the end of the podcast, I have got a, a question from your, your most recent captain, uh, Chris France, captain of the second team last season, uh, vice captain the season before. And he would simply like to know if you have any comment about your love of Percy pigs. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't like them. Like, I'm not a massive sweet or chocolate eater. I don't really like sweet things. Um, and as funny as Frenchie thinks he is, I don't actually like them. <laughs> Very good, mate. Well, look, uh, oh, before God. we get before we get to the end of the podcast, I just want to ask you about your aims for the coming season. Obviously, we don't exactly know what that, that will entail just yet. Um, but let's just say, fingers crossed, we get a full season. What, what, what were your aims? I just want to cement that spot in the first team again, really. Like last year, I got probably half a season in and I played a bit in the twos as well. So I feel like I just want to get get set in the first team and actually start converting some 40s into 50s and scoring some runs for the team. And uh, when when do you think you might be uh, back up and around here? Are you, are you going to be up for Easter or what's the what's the plan? It's a tough one. It, it depends really on what happens at uni here because we had an email through the other day about the hockey season potentially starting and running into over Easter and into summer quite late on. But that's all just like loose plans at the moment. So I'm not sure, but hopefully soon enough to get some cricket in and get that off spin out. <laughs> Very good. Bucky, I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure. Any sort of final remarks before we wrap up the podcast? Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's given me an hour and a bit off doing some work. So thank you very much for having me. You are very, very welcome indeed, mate. Well, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you soon and hopefully hockey doesn't steal you from us for too long. Hopefully, hopefully. Thank you, mate. Cheers, Bucky. See ya.